This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Texting privacy policy and terms and conditions posted at textplan.us. Texting and rules for occurring automated text marketing messages. Message and data rates may apply. Reply stop, opt out. The pandemic has been hard on all our kids. New studies show more than one in three children who started school in the pandemic now need intensive reading help. Here's the good news. Your child can be reading in just 30 days, guaranteed, with Hooked on Phonics. My first grader was behind in reading, and this program has made a huge difference. She's now reading above grade level. I use it for my kids' nightly reading for school. We love it, and it's super easy and quick to do. My kid, who just turned four years old and has been using the program since January of this year, can now read read. Thank you so much, Hooked on Phonics. Even if your child has been struggling, Hooked on Phonics will teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. And right now, you can get started for just $1. Text the word KID to 323232 right now. It's fast and easy. Text KID to 323232 and teach your child to read in just 30 days, guaranteed. Text the word KID to 323232. Text KID to 323232. Hi, it's Gareth here with Cannabis Radio at Product Earth 2019, the UK's largest hemp expo and festival. This year it's being held in the picturesque Warwickshire countryside and the sun is shining. So let's go. The UK CBD market has boomed in the last few years, with CBD products being sold now on most UK high streets. CBD has been classified as a novel food in the UK and as such is regulated by the Food Standards Agency, also known as the FSA. In bud or flower form, CBD is still not legal in the UK and is classified as cannabis. Under the 1971 Misuse of Drugs Act, often referred to as MODA, cannabis is still a controlled Class B drug. Over the last year, the first prescriptions of medicinal cannabis have been delivered to a handful of patients in the UK. But for some, this change is proving too slow. The United Patients Alliance are the UK's first medical cannabis support group, led by patients for patients. The group provides advocacy, campaigning and education. The UPA have become a spearhead for change in the UK as members campaign to advance legal access to medicinal cannabis. I spoke to Clark French and Leila Simpson, to find out more. 
So we're the United Patients Alliance. We were founded in 2014 uh, with the help of Caroline Lucas and Professor David Nutt in Brighton, my hometown of Brighton. We campaign to raise awareness of the benefits of medical cannabis, both in the public and political fields. And we also support patients who currently consume cannabis as medicine and find that they have trouble with the law and have trouble with the stigma. So we're, we're a support group and an advocacy group. We aim to represent over a million patients in the UK who are currently self-medicating with cannabis. Um, we, we want cannabis, medical cannabis, in the hands of every patient who needs it, no matter what condition they present, no matter how much money they've got. Technically, the GPs could prescribe cannabis, but they're not prescribing it for a range of reasons. Yeah. Although a lot of doctors and specialists do want to prescribe their patients cannabis, there's no funding. So all of the clinical, clinical commissioning groups, the bodies that decide what funds can be set for different NHS bodies, are saying they can't afford it, they can't pay for cannabis. Basically we're in a situation where if patients can pay, they can access medical cannabis, but if they can't pay, the NHS won't provide it for them. In what form are they normally prescribing the cannabis? Is it as oil or is it as supplements? It's as a flower. So his uh, flowers, uh, Bedrocan has, I think they have seven different strains that uh, they have the, the main one, their flagship Bedrocan is a 22% THC dominant, sativa dominant strain. To get a private prescription of Bedrocan is around £600 for 28 grams. So that's, that's at £600 an ounce essentially. So that's, you know, triple more than triple the street price so essentially growing your own cannabis in this country is still a criminal offense so you can you can buy and sell cannabis seeds as much as you like but as soon as you start to cultivate it that is a crime so that is still the situation that we're in currently a lot of people do want to be able to grow their own and a lot of patients are growing their own currently and are still facing problems with the law problems with landlords problems with their neighbors like all sorts of different issues that, that stem from it and essentially there's no protection for people that, that are having to do that and where the NHS is not prescribing the only way that people are accessing right now is either growing their own or going to the black market that's it uh, there's no there's no other routes of access so it puts patients in a really strange and horrible predicament of you know what, what do I do do I carry on suffering or do I take matters into my own hands and grow my own but as we've seen with Carly's amnesty even when a person has a prescription a private prescription for medical cannabis if they choose to grow their own they will still get problems with the law and potentially prosecuted and it's not it's not just the funding that's um, holding us up as we try to progress towards medical cannabis for available for patients there's also a lot of um, hesitance from the NHS and the advisory bodies about um, they say there's not enough clinical evidence the problem with the body of evidence really is something that we are tackling at the UPA We've partnered with Drug Science and Professor David Nutt to produce Project 2021. So uh, between us, we aim to get 20,000 medical cannabis patients into clinical trials by 2021. We think that this will provide a body of evidence that could be used by NICE, could be used by uh, the government and by the CCGs to show that actually there, there is real value in prescribing cannabis to people and that actually it could save the NHS a lot of money. I think that's where I'm personally coming from a lot because I have MS and I would be on 11 prescription medications that would cost the NHS £30,000 every year if I took them, but I don't. I take cannabis instead and I'm coming up to 10 years of having MS now, so we're talking up to £300,000 that I've saved the NHS by consuming cannabis instead.
UK Cannabis Social Clubs are a nationwide organisation looking to support those seeking the legal use of cannabis for medicinal purposes as well as the right for people to grow their own. UKCSC wants people to be able to share cannabis and come together to socialise without fear of penalty. Here's what Greg DeHote from the UKCSE had to say. So the UKCSE, with a campaign for sensible adult regulation in the UK, uh, we want people to be able to grow their own at home without fear of arrest from the police or being raided. Uh, but also, if you want to run a cannabis business or a cannabis social club because you want to be able to socialise with your friends or have a safe space for people to socialise, we've tried to uh, foster that kind of model in the UK. So we've written a guidelines of how to go about it. We also work with police, crime commissioners, local councils, MPs to try and get them to understand that we're not just a bunch of criminals that want to grow weed and overtake the world. We're a lot of us are normal people. We've got normal jobs. Uh, many of us are patients. A lot of us have been criminalised for our use of cannabis or possession of it or growing it at home, and uh, we've felt the impact of that. So we're trying to remove those harms and risks from people's lives while gaining some credibility for people that are, you know, just cannabis consumers in general. When you're given a bag of medicine from the, from the doctors, like your opiates, your steroids, your amitriptyline, your gabapentin, chemotherapy drugs, in some cases like myself, I've got Crohn's disease, you don't have a good social life. Your friends drop you because you're so ill. They don't want to be like, oh, don't want to hang around with them anymore. Become pretty soul-destroying for a lot of people. And, um, they can become recluse. The drugs don't help them socialise in the first place because they can mong you out. Whereas cannabis, if you come into a space where you're using cannabis medicine and you're around other people that A, understand it, B, are feeling the same as you in the same, in the same space and time, that's health in itself. I feel like the clubs have pushed us into a grey zone now um, because you know police have turned around, seven forces in the UK out of 48 have said, we know what you're doing, we're not going to clamp down on that because we understand you know, the reasons you're doing it and you are trying to separate yourself from organised crime the black market. Um, it's just now a case of uh, legitimising that a little bit more. So this isn't a, like, yeah, you're fine to open a cannabis social club. This is, come and speak to us. You know, if you're working towards the model that we've seen, that, that the UK CSC put forward, we know who you are and you, what your intentions are, where you are, then we can do it. For people who aren't in the UK, cannabis is a class B drug. Class B, yeah for possession there is a discretionary system in place. It's like so a three strikes rule. Uh, the first time you get caught with it you're going to get a, a, you're going to get it confiscated and you're going to get a warning. So it's you know a lot of people say it's been decriminalized because of that. So yeah, first first interaction has been decriminalized. Um, but the second time you get caught, you get a £90 fine, um, street warning, um, penalty charge notice, like, like a parking ticket, you know. If you, uh, if you don't pay that, then you can get some support. If you, uh, if you get caught a third time, you get arrested, then you can be detained to court because you're effectively looked at as a repeat offender. You know, some people think Boris Johnson's going to legalise cannabis in the UK because he hired someone from a, you know, from a, from a cannabis company as a, as a lobbyist. And the money side of things, with Brexit going on, is that going to be a really good business for the UK? How far would you go to promote the hemp plant? Well, for one activist, it even meant changing his name. Born as Geraint, but now known as Free Cannabis, he officially changed his name and has campaigned for cannabis for over 20 years. Okay, so yeah, I've been into the cannabis scene since the mid-90s. I was on the legalised cannabis campaign. 
96, founded the Cannabis Hemp Information Club, opened the Cannabis Museum in London. As far as I'm aware, that was the first time the general public, through the mass media coverage it received, became aware that cannabis is food, it's fibre, it's fuel, it's medicine, it's all our essential needs covered by one plant. I moved to Glastonbury in 97 to uh, open a shop called Hemp in Avalon. Um, so I've been doing that since 97. But yeah, my main passion is for raising awareness about this incredible plant. I'm here today showcasing the many uses of the plant and promoting Project Cannabis. The key aim is to co-manifest Hemp World, a world where hemp is utilized to its full potential. People probably know hemp as a plant can be used in fiber. Have you got some example people might not know about? Okay, so we, on the stall, I've got some uh, hemp plastic. Way back in the 1930s, Henry Ford built a hemp cellulose plastic car, 10 times the tensile strength of steel, one third of its weight, and fueled on hemp ethanol. Haven't got any, any hemp ethanol here, but what I have got is some hemp fuel blocks, uh, which is basically compressed herd or shiv, it's the inner part of the stem compressed into a solid fuel block, burned very well for a long time, very good. So yeah, that's, uh, I think the hemp plastic is one of the more innovative hemp products that we have here today. Uh, I've also seen, um, I've heard about it, but now for the first time I've seen, uh, well, just a single cell hemp battery. So this is taking, um, uh, it's, the, it's a paper dipped in a carbonized hemp coming from the, the, the bast fiber, the outer fiber, which is then carbonized through, through uh, heat burning, I suppose, made into a microfilm uh, sheet of carbon. So this is my, I would say, signature poem. I live for this, to do this, to be free cannabis, fearless in my actions, driven by a passion, a passion for life and all beings to be free. Free of the yoke of a tyranny that shackles the mind into the belief that a plant of, by the name of cannabis can possibly be illegal. I mean, come on, what does this mean? What, God made a mistake? Oops, I didn't mean to put it there. Honest? No, of course not. Study the law, know the law, the book of the law, and ye shall see most clearly, most directly, that God has given us every herd-bearing seed upon the face of this earth. God, goddess, use what name you wish. This plant is a gift, a gift of our dear mother earth, who provides us with a seed of optional optimal nutritional value, with fibre strong and durable, making paper, clothing, building homes, even cars, with biomass fuel, clean and efficient, and a medicine safe and natural, feeding and nourishing our endocannabinoid systems, bringing balance and harmony. This plant is essential. A dietary essential is proclaimed by Dr. Courtney. But most of all, she has gifted us with a pathway to liberation. For the dried leaves and flowers of a cannabis plant, open the doorway to love. For the love of all beings who just want to hug, make peace, make love. For the love of all beings, I serve you eternally with love. Guiding us home to the liberation of this cannabis plant. For in my reality, cannabis is free. And we are free. Free to sow and grow of the holy tree of life. The tree that has set us free. So Babylon, your days have numbered. The children of Guy have awakened and we are free. Free for freedom! For many years, the hemp plant has captured the minds of artists and creatives. Chloe Forfit, author and artist of Elkie and the Hemp Fairy, took a break from her live artwork at the Expo to share some thoughts. 
Well, I, I really want everybody to grow their own. I'm really into the fact that it's a plant and that we put the seeds in the ground and grow our own plants. And yeah, that feels to me one of the most important things at the moment to be talking about. It's just a plant. It's just a plant. And it's just bizarre to me still that you can't just put your seeds in the ground and grow them. I think there needs to be responsible use. I'm not actually up for legalisation. I'm up for decriminalisation, but with education. I feel like it's a time when we all need to be doing our best to make things different. And, you know, there's a lot of talk about what can we do to change the system. People aren't going to do that if they're medicated out of their, you know, motivational space. It's a danger that people don't seem to be chatting about that much. I know Greg DeHoyt talks about really, he talks about it in a really balanced way, which I really appreciate. The Emerald Cup is held in Northern California and is the largest organic outdoor cannabis competition in the world. Let's hear from Taylor Blake. So my name is Taylor Blake. I am the associate producer of the Emerald Cup. It was actually started by my dad, Tim Blake, uh, 16 years ago at his property in Northern California in Laytonville, California. It's about three hours north of San Francisco. It's a very well-known area in the Emerald Triangle between Mendocino, Trinity, and Humboldt counties for sun-grown cannabis. So among him and his friends, they just wanted to have like a friendly competition to see who grew the best outdoor. You have a great area here, which is uh, probably the nicest place to sit down and uh, have a CBD coffee maybe. Yeah. Um, I'm interested in what you think about the UK right now. What are your impressions of the can of scene? So it's really interesting because uh, it, it does remind me of where California recently was not too long ago. Um, we kind of really wanted it to be a legal market. We all were pushing for that. And then it's kind of this interesting, we're almost like bound by like a little bit of bureaucracy right now. So I see the, the benefit of kind of being in this gray area. And then I see like the benefit of being in the legal market, but then also the struggles that that kind of entails. And so there's both sides have like their own pluses and minuses. I feel for your struggle. <laughs> and I, I know it's, it's gonna change with regulation for sure. And in terms of the Emerald Cup, can you explain to people a little bit about what goes on at that event? Yeah, so it's a two-day festival. It takes place now, currently in Santa Rosa, California. So we have speakers, we have music, we have the largest contest that I can think of in the world. Um, it's especially, the, definitely the largest contest around Sangro Medicine. We have, last year we had 500 legal entries. Um, from uh, operating businesses, and then we also maintained a personal use category that anybody could enter, um, just for sun-grown, but in the past we've had up to a thousand entries. Last year we had Willie Nelson come and um, accept the Willie Nelson Award, which is our new version of the Lifetime Achievement Award. Um, it's always been very important for us to kind of have that uh, celebration of the fall harvest and so like culturally for us it's maintaining that position in Northern California so we want to make it a party a celebration but then also have educational elements to it as well um, and then also bring in the can of curious so it's kind of a, a culmination of a lot of different things. Hemp has many diverse uses. Perhaps one of the lesser known ones is you can create concrete or hempcrete if you will. With one of the busiest stands at Product Earth 2019, I caught up with Alex Sparrow from Hempcrete to discover more about how hemp can be used in construction. Uh, the main one obviously that we're known for is Hempcrete, which is a mixture of hemp and lime. You can think of it as a sort of natural, vapour permeable, walling and insulation material. 
So you typically have a structural timber frame for the building and then you wet mix the hempcrete on site and you cast that around the timber frame so you're casting the whole building in one piece. My own company, we work predominantly with domestic um, self-builders, building houses. We do some commercial subcontract as well for commercial buildings. Um, we've got hempcrete uh, department stores, warehouses, um, the science museums, archival storage is built out of hempcrete. The Wine Society has a hempcrete um, uh, warehouse in Stevenage. As a country, we've been growing hemp under licence now since 1992. So certainly UK hempcrete, every build that we do is done with UK-grown hemp. And I heard someone asking you about whether it burns. Hemp itself is not naturally that flammable. I mean, obviously it does burn, but it's, it doesn't sort of, it's not like setting fire to straw or something. Um, but what happens is, because in making hempcrete, the stalk gets chopped up into small pieces and then it's mixed with a lime binder, building lime binder. And so that sets it into a very dense, almost like a concrete block, but with a plant aggregate. Uh, and that lime wrapping around every part of the hempcrete effectively makes it inflammable. So you can put a blowtorch on it for half an hour and at the end of that you can, you can scrape away a little bit of charred material, charcoal basically, um, off the surface of the block, but it doesn't catch fire. There's no, ad there's no chemical additives added to it because it doesn't burn. The, the lime also stops it rotting because lime is a very powerful antifungal agent. And it also, um, lime is quite uh, alkaline, quite toxic, so it stops any animals eating it. So there's no need for any further chemical treatments that you would get on most insulation materials. Something that's notable in the hemp and CBD space is creativity when it comes to product innovation. Canna CBD are no exception. As well as supplying CBD products to UK retailers, Canna CBD and Tim Acton opened the first CBD hotel in the UK in Colchester, Essex. Alongside this, a new CBD shop. Clearly a man with his finger on the CBD pulse, I was keen to get Tim's perspective. With the retail front of it, we've opened up the coffee shop and bar side, um, Green Coffee Lab where we're um, infusing everything from the coffee to the gin and the cocktails and, and we've just joined partnerships with Cannabis, a brewery that, that we, we stock all, all their products. Yeah, basically to, to get CBD and hemp in, into all the products. And above, uh, above our first uh, green coffee lab, we've got a boutique hotel called Leafy Hotel. That's the first CBD hotel within the UK. We put terpenes in the, in the pillows to help people sleep and like, the light fittings are made out of hemp and uh, all the soaps are made out of hemp. So yeah, then it's, it, we've had a lot of really, really good interest, so it's going very well. At the moment as well, we have uh, a mobile unit and pop-up bars, um, as you can see behind us. Um, so we've, we've been really, really busy doing different events and festivals, spent quite a bit of time over in the States um, and I love the way it's done. Anyone can walk into a dispensary and, and, and ask what they need for whatever condition. There's so many different strains of, of, of cannabis out there, um, with higher CBDs, lower THCs, or, uh, I mean there's thousands. Uh, different strains are good for different people and, and for, yeah, for different things. So if it's regulated and it, it is more education goes into it, we can make the most out of it and it can be beneficial. We've heard that the UK CBD retail sector is booming. However, what about British hemp farmers? Something consumers may not be aware of 
is that most of the hemp used to produce UK CBD products is imported from outside the UK. And there's a reason for this. In the UK, it is not legal for farmers to harvest the flower and bud from hemp to make CBD products. This regulation has placed huge restrictions on British hemp farmers, and currently, UK farmers must destroy the bud and flower part of their crop, even though this is the most valuable part. It seems like their hands are tied. They simply can't compete with their European counterparts on a level playing field. I spoke to Patrick Gillett, founder of Hempen. Hempen's a not-for-profit farm-to-fork grower and producer cooperative. We produce food products out of, out of seed and we produce cosmetics. We like to think of it as a, a holistic business. We're not just uh, turning out a product for some profit. In fact, all the, all the surplus revenue we create goes back into the business and back into building a community, really. We have launched a campaign called Save UK CBD because it's apparent that the current framework won't allow uh, UK growers uh, to produce CBD from any, any hemp grown in the UK. One of the things we're going to be asking as part of our legal challenge to this, this situation and as part of the campaign is why are different hemp farmers treated so differently in the UK? At the moment there seems to be a messy and ir irregular licensing programme and the only people who have actually got a licence that will allow them to do what we were doing is, is GW Pharmaceutical who are obviously a, a major a corporation and no one else seems to be able to produce UK grown CBD. Now is that a deliberate policy from the government and from the Home Office uh, or is it just a result of the regulatory framework that's not caught up with the new market? So what you're saying is there is one company in the UK that has got this license to produce bud and flower. They're allowed to do it but you're not. Yes, GW Pharma are licensed to produce medicinal cannabis, different category of law altogether it seems that they would be the only growers in the country that could even produce a zero THC UK grown product uh, under their specific license. The CBD industry is set to be worth one billion pounds in the UK by 2025. All of that money will go to hemp grown abroad, except I suppose the medicinal CBD and, and THC products produced by GW Pharma. A major shareholder, if not the biggest shareholder in GW Pharma, is uh, Philip May, the husband of, of Theresa May. They recently moved on Prime Minister of, of, of United Kingdom. And that set of circumstances needs explaining because if Theresa May and her husband can profit very, very well from uh, the cannabis industry, why can low THC industrial hemp growers and industrial hemp producers uh, of CBD products who whose products are deemed absolutely safe by the World Health Organization are not in a medicinal category, why should they not be able to profit at the grassroots level? Especially farmers who are really struggling um, in general and are really reliant on the subsidies regime, which th they don't know that will look like post-Brexit. Here's a crop, industrial hemp, that can do so many different things, and the key to unlocking it is uh, allowing them to realize the value of the flowers. Instead, they're having to ch chop those flowers uh, head off and leave them to rot in the field, leave millions of pounds to rot in their fields, whilst they eke out a living from uh, the, the seed and stalk. Rebecca Sharman recently set up the British Hemp Association to tackle issues UK hemp growers face and to rally for full use of the whole hemp plant. Here's what she had to say. 
Here in the UK, at the moment, if you want to grow hemp, you have to go through the Home Office. You need to get a Home Office license. This is because hemp is considered a controlled substance because it contains THC, even though at 0.2% THC, which is the recommended uh, levels of THC in the hemp plant, so you can legally grow hemp, you are not allowed to process the leaf or the flower. This then gives us only options to utilize the stalk or the seed, which unfortunately doesn't hold a lot of the profit. The most of the profit is in the flower and the leaf. So the aim of the BHA really, first and foremost, is to remove the Home Office, um, move hemp from the Home Office and put it back into DEFRA, which is our department for the environment, um, food and farming. This would allow it to be seen as an agricultural industrial crop so we can start utilizing it for purposes other than um, what it's been seen as, which is a controlled substance. The hemp has 25,000 uses, um, many of which are um, uses that you don't consume. So actually to have it as a controlled substance when you're making plastics or paper or building from it, it makes no sense. Uh, The second aim that we really want to do is to harvest the leaf and the flower. Right now, CBD is sold all over England. It's legal, you can walk into any shop, any health food shop and buy it, but our farmers can't grow it. So it is stipulated on the Home Office license that if you want to grow hemp, you have to destroy the flower and the leaf, which makes it a totally unfair marketplace, considering that UK is one of the biggest consumers of CBD. So what we really want to be doing is um, enabling the farmers, our farmers, UK farmers, to be able to utilize the whole plant from a flower down to the root without um, any difficulties, be able to um, have our own CBD market in the UK, a domestic CBD market, rather than allowing imports to come in from countries that are allowing the the processing of the leaf and the, uh, of the flower. And the third is the THC levels. Ideally, we'd like to up the THC levels to make a healthier plant and to give us more options to utilize the plant. At 1% still, the THC is too low to have any impact, psychoactive impact. In fact, turmeric has more of an impact on 1% than THC. So that would be the final thing that we're looking to do. But the first two are, are really our main aims at the moment. In order to remove the political shackles that are stopping this industry shine. And we see in the States since the Hemp Farm Bill of 2018, a massive, huge sweep uh, of innovation and technology and R&D going into hemp. And England's missing out on, on the potential of this amazing crop. It's not just CBD, it's not just TSC, it's CBN, CBG, all the terrapines. So what we really want to do is whole plant medicine to enable people to ingest the whole plant So taking and extracting just the THC out, you're losing a lot of the goodness that the supplement can give you. We've got a situation in the UK of more liberal approach or attitude to to CBD at least. Do you feel that this now means that the doors are opening in a positive direction or have you got concerns about the way things may go? Oh yeah, definitely. That's why we set up the British Hemp Association. The reality of it is, is that once the, once the, genie really is out of the bottle in regards to the potential of hemp in in regards to the commodities that it can create in regards to the medicine that it provides then uh, my fear is that the cottage industry that's been keeping it alive for these years will just be ripped away and it will just be inundated with huge big corporations coming in selling it on the futures market investing in it and and actually the cottage industry to be destroyed and the great thing about hemp is that it's the only sovereign seed left really because it's been so politically shackled that actually no one owns it 
It's a people's plant. We're in the middle of an environmental crisis right now on the planet. And it needs to stay within the people. And the people need to have the power over the plant. It needs to create jobs. It can create R&D, technology, and get farmers growing it. And if we took it out of there and just put it into as, an, as another commodity to be bought and sold on the markets, we are going to lose the power of this plant and the importance of it for human and environmental health and well-being. For growers, it can be useful to get back to basics. I caught up with one of the UK's top grow experts and author of The Grower's Guide, Rich Hamilton. Have you seen anything interesting here this weekend? Well, it's just about being the community. We need more things like this in the UK, and that's why we need to support it. So I would always encourage anybody that's interested in the kind of community, or even people that just want to find out about the community, to come to events like this and show you support you got any tips for people about growing process? Keep it clean, you know, go back to organics. There's a lot of hydros that are going out and there's a lot of naughty things that people are putting in to increase their yields. PGRs is one of them. But some of the others that people don't realize is that some of the other brands have heavy metals in. So it's always good to look at a brand that sort of advertises pharmaceutical or analytical grade nutrients. And those nutrients are fit for human consumption. Unfortunately, some nutrient brands, and that's only some, aren't fit for human consumption. So you just have to watch out for those ones. And in terms of the industry, how have you noticed that it's changed in the last two or three years? It's changed hugely and it's exponentially changing as it moves forwards. All around the world, legalization is happening and we have to look to America because they're the ones that have legalized it and have moved it into that corporate section. So that's coming, it's coming here to the UK. It's just a matter of time when it comes. So it'll be great for people to get on board now and to understand things now rather than have some of those old misconceived perceptions about the plant and the products that have maybe have translated over from the area of the sort of the 60s and the 70s, which were all very negative. I think it's going to go the way the Americans gone. So it's going to go. It'll go medical first. They'll realise that you can't. The government can't tax it or make money on the medical. That'll probably roll out in three years, I would guess. It will take two years for legislation to catch up with the realisation they're not making money. And then they'll have to go recreational, and then it will go down to dispensaries which some people fear that and they think that that's negative. But being in the States as much as I have, I think it's a huge positive because when you go to a dispensary, you get to buy a product that's specifically tailored for you. And you also get to, all the dispensaries have certification that that product that you're buying is completely clean. So most of the people that buy product here in the UK only get it sort of like from their one guy or from you know two guys. And so therefore, you only have a very limited window. When you go to a dispensary in America, like Planet 13 or MedMen, they have literally hundreds of strains available. Everything, they also have pre-rolls, you know, everything, edibles, the whole works. And they give you a bud tender to talk through what your issues are, anxiety, have you got a back problem? Is it just recreational, you know? And if it is just recreational, that's cool. But what do you want out of that recreational? This year's Product Earth was a great success and brought together many diverse people, organisations and businesses. From artists to hoteliers, from hemp farmers to activists. UK legislation may still have some way to go as laws of prohibition still apply. 
As a market, it's certainly many years behind where Canada or US states like California are now. Cannabis with THC is still illegal in the UK. CBD joints and flour are also not legal. Growing cannabis for personal use is illegal. Hemp farmers are forced to destroy the most valuable part of their crop, the bud and flower. And patients in need of medicinal cannabis are still not able to get treatment through the National Health Service. While public opinion in the UK has shifted, with a large majority of the public now in support of some form of legalisation, it appears there's a long, slow battle ahead. One group of people who can't wait years for change are the United Patients Alliance, a group who've helped spearhead a change in the national consciousness when it comes to cannabis. So, let me end this with some final words from Clark French and Layla Simpson from the United Patients Alliance. It's a horrible war to be fighting, but that is, that is just what it is. It is a war and we need everybody to support patient advocacy because we are on the front line. The patient advocates are the front line of this battle and we're already sick, already battling our own illnesses and it's so hard. We've got a way to go. It's good that people are becoming more accepting of CBD because that is a step, I think, towards becoming more accepting of cannabis, the plant in general. You know, I don't think anybody should be criminalized for consuming cannabis. I think that we need to do this in a proper order and make sure we get the patients off the battlefield first. As we're saying, this is the war on drugs. This is, this is a, a war and you don't leave sick and dying people to die out in the, in the cold on the battlefield. You make sure that you get them back home to base, you make sure they're safe and then you carry on. You know, that's, that's how wars are fought. Cannabis medicines aren't in the hands of patients in the next five years, then it's going to be harder for the recreational campaign to argue that they should have recreational cannabis in the hands of everybody. The recording you just listened to was presented by Gareth Davis and featured interviews with Clark French, Layla Simpson, Greg DeHoyt, Free Cannabis, Chloe Forfeit, Taylor Blake, Alex Sparrow, Tim Acton, Patrick Gillett, Rebecca Sharman and Rich Hamilton. Music and sound editing by Gareth Davis, 2019. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.